Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Preparing this message, I was just thinking about a few things because we were helping Dad move into his new home. And as we've been helping Dad move into his new home, it means going through a lot of his stuff. And a lot of his stuff involves a lot of photographs and a lot of memories. And so it's been a real bittersweet time moving my dad from one home to another. But it got me thinking about our childhood and the way that we were raised. And so today's title, in keeping with what I want to share today, is simply this, The Ways of Our Lives. The ways of our lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, the ways of our lives. You see, my dad definitely had his ways. Some of those ways were because of generational habits that he developed growing up. For example, my dad making a cup of tea was an art form. I remember being mesmerised as a young kid watching Dad make cups of tea. And because I have been an avid lover of tea since I was 18 months old, I wanted to learn his ways. And so he showed me when I was a young boy how to make a proper cup of tea. And it doesn't involve a tea bag. (laughs) It involves a pot that you warm up. Don't you dare put tea into a cold pot. You need to warm the pot up. And so he'd warm the pot up, pour the water out. And in a nice warm pot, he put not two, but two and a half scoops of tea. One, two and a half. Tony, watch. One, two and a half. How many? Uh, Two and a half. Well done. And here's the weirdest thing. Dad would never bring the kettle to the pot. He'd bring the pot to the kettle. You've got to do that, he said. To this day, I don't know why. But I was too scared and too enamoured to argue the point. And then he'd pour the tea, he'd stir it. And then he'd sit and he'd let, you've got to let the tea sit. You want it fresh but strong. You don't want stale tea. Ugh. You don't want weak tea. <laughs> you want it strong but fresh. This is my childhood learning the ways of my dad. Some of his ways were just generational habits. Other ways were based on his values. He valued his fitness. He valued his health. And so it meant eating certain things and exercising a certain amount and in certain ways. And again, as a young kid growing up, I was enamoured with his ways and I would watch him eat his breakfast and he would eat muesli. And I wish we had shares in wheat germ because we had so much wheat germ in our home. And as a young kid, I wanted to eat wheat germ just because I wanted to be like my dad and embrace his ways that were based on his values. Not only that, but he also had ways that were based on his personality. He was a morning person, which meant he liked to get up early in the morning and he always beat us up as kids. Not beat us up, but... but (laughs) Maybe a little bit of that, but 
but he would get out of bed before anyone else and he'd use that time to read his Bible, eat his breakfast in peace and quiet. And, and I was usually the second person up and I'd always see Dad always reading his Bible and eating his breakfast. And because we went to school in the city and had to catch two buses to get there and two buses, Dad wanted us to have a good breakfast. And so every morning before school, Dad would cook us egg, bacon and beans. Egg, bacon and beans. Dad would cook that for us every morning. Do you know why? Because it was a cowboy's breakfast. That's what he told us every morning. I, I, I don't know what that had to do with anything, but I grew up wanting to be a cowboy. I don't know. Just, and he just wanted us to have plenty of energy knowing that it was a big day for us. We'd, we'd leave the, the home at seven o'clock and, and we'd get home about five o'clock. And so he'd give us a good breakfast. I, I thank God for that. But that was based on his personality. But then some of his ways had to do with the fact of his role as a dad. He embraced certain ways as a role because he was a dad. And he couldn't just live like a single anymore. He couldn't live just like a married man. He had to live like a dad. And that involves certain roles. And certain roles involve certain ways. And so to ensure our safety, dad would say this. He said, you can go out and ride your bike, but just be home before dark. How many remember those days? What was the dark thing? Well, we want to keep you safe. And I don't want you out in the dark by yourself. So play all day, but come back before dark. That ensured our safety. Other times, he would make us apologise to our brothers. And that ensured peace. Peace between brothers and peace in the home. He had certain ways when it came to the way he raised us. And it got me thinking, the truth is, whether you're a Christian today or not, we all have our ways. Every one of you has your ways. And not only do we have our ways, but God has His ways. God has His ways. And the Bible contains God's Word, God's will and God's ways. And what I know about Christians, for the most part, we are enamoured with His Word. We want to know more about His Word. When Shane Willard was here last week, he, he's, like a, he's like a Life Adelaide favourite. Every time Shane's here, everyone and their dog turns up. Everyone wants to hear Shane's exegesis of the Word. Love the Word of God. And, and I'm a fan. I, I'm front row. When Shane's here, I'm on the front row. I, I love Pastor Shane. I love what he brings. I love some of the theologians, both the alive ones and the dead ones. There's some great teachings about God's Word that I think we can use and get into us more and more and more. I'm an advocate for His Word. But there's also His will. And, and let's be honest, if I was to ask a question, who here has ever asked this question? What's the will of God for my life? That would probably be every one of us. We all wanna know the will of God for our lives. And we've probably asked it many times I promise you, Pastor Dan, there'll be a moment come your epic youth conference over those three nights. You can't have young people in a room for three nights and not someone say, what's the will of God for my life? Yeah. We're enamoured with the will of God for my life. Yeah. But the question I seldom get asked is this. Hey, Pastor, what's God's ways when it comes to 
spending my money? What's God's ways come to uh, when it concerns forgiveness? Very few people are interested in the ways of God. We want to know about His Word. We want to know about His will. But His ways, nah. I'd rather just do my own thing. And that has a few reasons, I believe. One might be because we just don't know His ways. Another may have to do with the fact that we don't like His ways. You might want to underline that one. The other one may have to do with we just don't understand His ways. And so what I've noticed is that we tend to ignore them and adopt other ways. Some of those ways may be it's my way or the highway. We adopt a selfish life and we do things according to what we want, how we want it and when we want it. And it usually blesses and preferences me and mine. And those ways seldom include others. That's a way. Another way could be a roundabout way. You know, when it comes to saying sorry, we say it in a roundabout way. We say, well, I'm sorry uh, that I was rude the other day, but you need to know it wasn't my fault. And we apologise, but it's in a roundabout way. And when we finish apologising, the person receiving the apology says, I'm not sure just what happened there. I'm I'm not sure what happened. It's a way. I don't know if it's the best way, but it's a way. And then there's times we get in the way where we try to help God or we try to help somebody out, but we end up making more of a mess because we just get in the way. We see many Bible characters do that. Peter was one of those guys that would often get in the way in trying to help Jesus. On the night Jesus was arrested, it was Peter who pulled out his sword and went to cut off one of the servant's heads, missed, got his ear. And Jesus has to pick the ear up, put it back on, perform a miracle and then get on with what He was meant to be doing and that is go to the cross. Peter was only trying to help, but he got in the way. And I could go on and on and on about all the different ways which we do things. But this is what I know. If we want God results, we have to embrace God's ways. You can adopt any way you want, but if you want God results, you have to embrace God's ways. Question, who wants God results? My desire as a person, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, is that I would embrace God's ways. Why? Because I want God results. You see, freedom is a wonderful gift given to us as Christians. I love the fact that in Christ we are free and not only are we free, but we are free indeed. We are so free, we can do whatever we want. 
But if we exercise that freedom to do whatever we want, it doesn't mean we're exercising wisdom. And so freedom should never be at the expense of God's ways. Unfortunately, for many Christians, we embrace freedom at the expense of God's ways. And that's why at the last census, people are less interested in church. Why? Because of us and the ways that we've adopted that don't represent God's ways. And so they're no longer interested. And we have to take some ownership of that as a church. Life Adelaide and the church in this nation because we can't just receive Jesus' freedom without receiving God's ways. Because if we want God's results, we need God's ways. And if we use godly freedom to do our own thing, we won't get godly results. You might get forgiveness, but it doesn't mean you'll get respect. See, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just do my own thing, ask for forgiveness, but have no respect with people. It is a way of living. It's a way many Christians choose to live, but it's not the best way, surely. I'm forgiven, yeah, but you're a jerk. I'm forgiven, yeah, you are, but no one respects you. I'm forgiven, yeah, but we can't rely on you because you just... You just don't commit to anything. One of my concerns is how many young people today have had so many jobs. If you're under the age of 25 and you've had more than five jobs, there could be a problem. Let alone relationships. And so we want to talk about this subject of embracing His ways. Because we don't want to be people who are just forgiven but not respected. We don't want to be people who are blessed and prosperous, but stingy. Yeah, Yeah, you're blessed. You're prosperous. God's blessed your business, but you know what? You're so stingy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known as that person. And I don't want our church to be known as that church. But in order for us to break free from that, let's live in freedom, but let's embrace His ways as well. Are you with me? I say that because I have a passion for practice. And this is where God's ways come in. You can't have a passion for practice. You can't have a passion to see the Word of God land in our lives, land in our homes, land in our marriages and ignore God's ways. You can't do that. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says it this way, For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. What I know about humanity and human nature, and I put myself in that, is that adopting God's ways doesn't always come naturally to us. Would that be fair to say? It's easy to do what you want, isn't it? It's easy to do it when you want. It's easy to do whatever you want. And often we think we know better. You know, when I was a young kid, I mean like a young kid, this is, this is an embarrassing, awful story. And I told my wife about it. She said, I've never heard that story before. And when you've done as much life as I have with my wife, uh, that's a miracle. 
but I'll never forget one day finding $20. It was folded up in my mum's bedside drawer. And I had a plan. I know the plans I have for me, says Tony. <laughs> I took that 20 bucks, I put it in my pocket, but I had a plan. I walked up to the shops. Mum had asked me to go to the shops. I walked up to the shops and I put this $20, it was in my pocket, and I threw it onto the floor when we're in the shops. And I was with my brothers. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> so bad. I feel like I need a couch right now just to just <laughs> lay it out there. And I threw it on the floor and I pretended I, I, I saw it and found it in the shop. I said, hey, Baz, Pete, look at this, 20 bucks. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's like, I was so impressed with myself. My ways at that moment, I was just like, Anyway, so I bring it home and I tell mum, I say, hey, mum, I found 20 bucks. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Boys are strong like King Kong. Girls are weak, chuck them in the creek, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Generational thing, anyway. <laughs> found 20 bucks. I wish, I wish I had done something before I executed this little plan. I wish I'd just unrolled that $20. Because my mum took it off me and she opened it up, unfolded it, and the top corner was missing. At that stage, that didn't mean too much to me. But my mum walks to her bedside table. She thought, I had a $20 note that had a corner missing. She opens the drawer, there's no $20. She says, Tony, where did you really find this? And I went, at the shop, bright red, sweating. <laughs> I, I did my own ways. But when in the presence of my mum, red face, sweat. That's just my mum. Didn't get to my dad. Great plan. Great way for a short period of time. Psalm 25, verse 4 says this, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. In Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to His people in Israel. You know, God has made known His ways to us in His Word. And I would encourage us as a church to be men and women of His Word. Let's continue to delve into His Word, but in His Word, let's find His ways. Because when we can find and embrace His ways, it changes the way we live and it changes the way we are perceived. The early church in the book of Acts was not known as the church. They were known as the way. Onlookers were enamoured with the way they lived. They didn't live like everyone else lived. They lived differently. There was a harmony. There was a unity. And it was an attractive quality. And I believe it's an attractive quality we as a church can get back if we embrace His ways. But to embrace His ways, it requires a certain 
posture from us. We need to be willing to adopt a certain posture and a certain position in order to embrace His ways. It's not just enough to know about them. And the reality is, if you've been coming to this church uh, for a year or more, you've been made aware of many of His ways. But that doesn't mean we're living them. Because in order to embrace His ways, we need to position ourselves. And I want to highlight three of those ways this morning that's going to help us embrace the ways of God. Are you with me? And the first one is this. We need to adopt a position of trust. Everyone say trust. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Who would like a straight path? I know when it comes to getting from A to B in a car, I just want to go as quick as I possibly can. I don't want to go around, I just want to go as quick as I possibly can. And when it comes to life, I don't want to have to take any longer getting where I want to go than I need to. And the Bible says that if we will follow His ways and lean not on our own understanding, then He'll make our paths straight. And that is good news. Are you with me this morning? The first thing I want to highlight here is it says, trust in the Lord. It doesn't say understand the Lord. If we're going to wait till we understand everything there is to understand about God before we do anything, you'll never do anything. Because the Bible says this way, we only see but in a mirror dimly. The wisest, smartest man or woman on the planet right now, the greatest theologian right now only sees dimly into who God really is. He's so vast, He's so big. His ways are beyond our ways. And I love that. That's what makes Him God. So if we're gonna wait till we understand, we'll never do anything. Trusting is not understanding. And as a child, I didn't understand my dad's ways all the time. And if I'm really honest, I didn't even like my dad's ways all the time, especially when it came to correction time. I lived in a different generation to the younger ones. And when we were being corrected, you felt it. We felt correction back in the day. And I'm not just talking about emotional feelings. I'm talking about physical, we felt it. I didn't always like my dad's ways. I didn't always understand my dad's ways. But over time, I began to understand And trust was formed because of the wisdom of my dad's ways. And it's so funny when I talk to our kids, the stuff that comes out of my mouth often reminds me of my own dad's words. Anyone else feel like that this morning? God can be trusted. If I was to ask a question this morning, who here wants peace? I imagine every, every hand would go up. Even beauty queens want peace. And they don't only want peace themselves, they want world peace. So generous. So thoughtful. They don't just want peace for themselves, they want world peace. We, do, we, we want peace. As a Christian, I'd say, who here wants the peace of God to be their portion? I know that's a big one. 
Many people who come to the front and want prayer, it's like, I just need peace. I need peace to make decisions. I need peace in my home. I need peace in my heart. I need peace in my mind. I need a piece of peace. We want peace. But do you know you can never have peace when you're living in unforgiveness? And God knows that. And so God has a way for you to get peace. But you've got to follow His ways. And when we say, no, but I will never forgive that person. To you, I'd say this, with all due respect, then you'll never have peace. Not because I say so, but it's just because it's just one of the ways of God. But if you really want peace, you can have it. But we do have to follow God's ways. And we have to be willing to embrace what He says. In Matthew chapter 18, and there's a whole chapter on this, but verse 21 says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Good old Pete having a crack at it. Seven, that seems like a, a large number. It seems like a godly number. It seems like a right number. It seems like the Lord's number. And Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Forgiveness is one of God's ways to peace. Forgiveness is never easy, but it is powerful. Forgiveness sets you free from past hurts and disappointments. Forgiveness is not always reconciliation, for that takes two parties. But the good news is forgiveness only takes one. And no matter how deep your scar, no matter what's happened to you, you can choose to forgive. And if you choose to forgive, you'll find the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Not only can, but will be your portion. Now again, with all due respect, forgiving someone that's done the wrong thing to you and by you is one of the hardest things on earth to ever do. I get that. Walked through a few situations myself. But I do believe there is a way for us to receive that forgiveness. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Bear with one another and forgive one another. What I love about the Bible it doesn't stop there. It says, If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive, here it is, here's the key, as the Lord forgave you. If you focus on the person that offended you, if you focus on the person that hurt you, if you focus on the thing that they said, the thing that they did, you will never find forgiveness. I've been a pastor for 30 plus years, involved in youth ministry and kids ministry, leading a church. And I gotta be honest with you, to this very day, if I focus on the person and what they said and what they did, I do not ever get peace. Because the Bible doesn't say the ways of God is to focus on what they said and what they did and you'll find peace. But it does tell me what to do. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And what I find is if I ever focus on the person, I never get forgiveness. I can't find forgiveness when I look and focus on a person. 
but I can stand here today and say, I live free and I live in a place of forgiveness. And the reason I do that is because I focus on Jesus. When Jesus is your focus, it's easy to forgive. When we focus on a person, it's impossible to forgive. But when we focus on Jesus, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I resolved a long time ago that my, my bottom line, get out of jail, live at peace with God at all times sentence is this. No one offended me more than I offended Christ and yet He forgives me and He loves me. I need it to land there for me every time. Otherwise, I will get bitter and not get better. And so I focus on what Jesus did. For, he forgave me with all my bad attitudes, with all my sin, with all my shortcomings. He forgives me. And it gives me a great appreciation for what Jesus did for me. It gives me a greater love of who He is. And I start falling in love with Him. And guess what? That offence, that problem, that hurt, that unforgiveness finds its place. How do you do that? We do that by following God's ways. Please don't assume it's okay for you because you're a pastor. That is not the case. This is something we all have to do. And the way to do it is embracing His ways. If you want to live at peace with God, then we need to forgive We've got to stop collecting data on people. That's our way. I feel like God is saying, shred your lists. Peter asked Jesus, how often should we do it? And he said, seven. And, And Jesus said, no, no, no. 70 times seven. In this translation, it says 77 times. Now, Now here's the thing. Jesus isn't talking about a number here. When it comes to interpreting the Bible, let's not allow detail to get in the way of meaning. When interpreting the Scriptures, meaning trumps detail. And so Jesus is not saying 490 times. He's not saying 77 times. What He's saying is, keep doing it. If you have unforgiveness, keep forgiving. If you have unforgiveness, keep forgiving. If you supersede 490 times, keep doing it. Don't allow a number to stop you. That's what Peter was trying to do. Give me a number, can hold my head high and then I can just get on with being bitter and critical. No, no, just keep forgiving. Whenever there is unforgiveness, that's when you should forgive. And if it's up to me, I passed 490 a long time ago. Anyone else in that camp? And it's just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Who wants the peace of God? Secondly, we need to adopt a position of humility. James chapter four, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Again, we all want to be exalted. We all want to be promoted. We all want to be blessed. We we all want a promotion, don't we? And God has a way and it's humility. In Philippians chapter two, it says, Jesus humbled Himself, taking on the very nature of a servant. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that's above every other name. Here's a thought. If Jesus humbled himself and he never sinned, he never failed, he never did anything wrong, how much more should you and I 
humble ourselves. Why? Because we all fail. We all mess up. Failure is a part of life. We all let each other down and we all let ourselves down. And if that's the place you're in today, I want to say don't give up. Just humble yourself. Don't give up. Don't stop going to church. Don't say, I tried Christianity. Just humble yourself. Don't give up, but humble yourself. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confessing our sins to God leads to forgiveness. Confessing our sins one to another leads to healing. We confess our sins to God, why? To get forgiveness. But we confess our sins to one another to get healing. And the one another is those that it involves. We have a great way of telling everyone else but those that it involves. But if you want healing in the relationship, you might, you might receive forgiveness of God, but who wants, forgi- who wants to live forgiven? But you ruin all your relationships. You've got to humble yourself and confess your sins. And don't do it in a roundabout way. So I'm sorry. I was wrong. See, there's a difference between remorse and repentance. Confession is to admit to a specific action without excuse. Remorse is words without ownership. In other words, I'm sorry I got caught. That's remorse. I wish I didn't get caught. That's not repentance. It is remorse. Sorry I got caught. But repentance is I'm sorry I did the wrong thing. Will you forgive me? You think... Parents, if your kids did this, if they adopted this way, they looked each other in the eye and said, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Would your home have peace? Would you have peace? Would you have more energy? Can you imagine if your children owned their mistakes instead of fought each other? These are the ways God wants us to adopt. But guess where the parent, kids are going to learn it from? The parents. So it starts with the parents. And one thing I'm so grateful for, I grew up in a home where my dad and my mum could own their mistakes. And they made a point of looking us in the eye. Making sure that we had their undivided attention. They would say sorry. They'd say, tell me what they're sorry for. And they'd ask for forgiveness. And we grew up not only understanding what that looks like, but also it's the gospel. I'm sorry it's for mistakes. Will you forgive me? It's for our sins. Number three, as the band come up, we need to adopt a position of love. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's way is love. When we adopt our own ways, we usually land in one of two ditches. One is legalism. Legalism is what I have to do and what I'm not allowed to do. That's legalism. If you're using that language, what I have to do and what I'm not allowed to do, that's legalism. 
The other side of that is another ditch over here that is liberalism. And that says, I don't have to do it. And I can do what I want. That's the extreme response to that extreme over there. And history is thought with people jumping from ditch to ditch. We get sick of living here, so then we go back to this legalism. And then this doesn't work, so we go back. And right now, with this millennial generation, we're jumping out of legalism. We're jumping out of the way the church has been doing it and saying, ah, forget it, to heck with it. Census, no religion. I want to do what I want, be what I want. And that's not a problem. If you fast forward another 30, 40 years, what's going to happen if we don't learn from it? We'll just say, that's not working. Let's go back to here. We need to get back to church. And then we're back in legalism. And we see it. But there is a better way. And it's found in the radical middle. And it's not found in legalism. It's not found in liberalism. It's found in the way of love. People say, I don't have to go to church. It's not wrong. You don't have to. This camp says, yes, you do. No, we don't. You do too. What are you going to do about it? This is what we deal with right now. Do you have to go to church or don't you? I found myself here saying, what? You have to go to church. You don't have to go to church. That sounds a lot about you and that sounds a lot about you. I don't hear a lot of Jesus in either of those two extremes. For all the ones sitting here, I'm going to set you free. You don't have to go to church. You're right. Those here, you have to go to church. You're right. And you're wrong. And you're wrong. Because both miss the point. It's not about you. The Bible tells us clearly to fix our eyes on Jesus. When we're having this argument, where's Jesus? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. I promise you this. When we focus on Jesus and we think about what He did for us and what He did to birth the church, you know what? I'm just grateful that I get to go. You don't have to tithe. Yes, you do. No, you don't. I've got my scriptures. We've got our scriptures too, and there's more. And a millennial generation watching this saying, I don't want church. No religion. And to be honest, I I don't want that either. If that is church, I'd, I'd rather go to the beach. We're free. We don't have to give. Again, you're right. But you have missed the point. 
You do have to give. Again, you're right, but gee, you've missed the point. You have to give, really? That's going to be your motivating factor. You have to give. Let me ask you a question. Do I have to go home to my wife tonight? Do I have to? <laughs> no, you don't. Come out with the boys. Test girlfriends, no. <laughs> We've got plans, stay out. You do have to go home, you made a commitment. You have a certificate. See, that's detail. Both the detail. But you know what trumps detail? Meaning. And meaning's only ever found in the middle. Tony, question, better question. Not do you have to go home to your wife, do you love your wife? Yes or no? Yes. Then why don't you want to go home? What's going on? For all of you struggling to go to church, do you love Jesus? Let's talk about that. And let's address why you're struggling to go to church on the foundation of a love for Jesus. All you say, you've got to go to church, say, do you love Jesus? Then why do you feel you've got to? What's going on? Because none of those extremes motivated Jesus on the cross. It was the joy set before Him that He endured. It wasn't because He had to. Oh, I've got to do this. He didn't play the get out of jail free card. I don't have to. And he could have, could have called legions of angels and saved him from that moment. But what did he do? He says, Father, where, did he, where was his focus? Was it on the cross? No. If it's about the cross, all the liberals were saying, you don't have to do it, Jesus. Come down, save yourself. The other saying, call yourself a Christian. Do you, do you know I can give out of fear and I can give out of pride? I can give over here out of fear. If I don't give, God won't love me. So I give. We don't want you giving like that. And I can give out of pride. Hey, I, I'm better than all those others who don't give. Both those motive, motives are wrong. And Jesus is here saying, what are you doing? Good on you, you gave, well done. You've missed the point. And you can exercise your freedom and say, I'm not going to give because I've worked hard for my money. And that's true, but it's detail. So you can give out of pride or not give out of pride. It's mine. I earned it. So you cannot give out of pride. And you cannot give out of fear. I won't have enough money if I give. So you can give out of fear and pride and you cannot give out of fear and pride. And Jesus is wanting us to give out of love. That's His way. So contrary to popular belief, we don't want you to come to church. We don't want you to give. I don't want you to go home to your wife or your children. We want you to love. And if we can live in the way of love, we'll find answers to all those peripheral questions and we'll be doing it from a right motive. 
See, God's way leads to maturity. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And that's okay, why? Because you're a child. But when I became a man, you have to make a choice. And Paul says, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I put aside childish ways. If you want to grow in God, we have to step into His ways. Can you continue living your selfish life, doing whatever you want to do and find forgiveness? Yeah. Will God still love you? Yeah. There's no way to live. There's no way to live. You don't want that. You don't want it for yourself. You don't want it for your family. Here at Life Adelaide, we don't want it for you. We want you to experience what Jesus calls the abundant life. Life with a capital L. Life to the max. But you can't do that doing your own thing. We have to humble ourselves. We have to trust Him. We have to love Him. And when you've got that right, do it the next day. And do it the next day. And when you find your trust slipping, come back to trust. And when you find your love slipping, come back to love. And when you find pride, come back to humility. Keep coming back to this radical middle. And I've got to be honest with you, there's been times in my life I bounce from this to this. But I want to keep coming back to this radical middle. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.